Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, and welcome to Maths Appeal. I'm Bobby Seagull. And I'm Susan Okereke. The aim of Maths Appeal is to make maths accessible to everyone. We want to welcome everyone into the world of maths. And we are super excited that we have a new partnership this series. We're partnering with the amazing charity National Numeracy and the company Experian. So National Numeracy are an independent charity. They were founded in 2012. And their aim is to promote the importance of numeracy and everyday maths. And next week is a very special week, and that is National Numeracy's Number Confidence Week. And Bobby, tell us, what's it all about? So Number Confidence Week is actually just an opportunity to deal with the powerful and actually largely unseen issue of low confidence with numbers. And this is problematic because low confidence with numbers can hold us back in our own lives and can even impact how our children feel about maths. And that's something we've been trying to work on a lot in Maths Appeal. And as in series two of Maths Appeal, we'll also be setting a problem in these episodes, as well as also having a special guest each week. And in this episode, our special guest is actually the latest and newest ambassador for National Numeracy. So drum roll, please. <laughs> Iona Bain. Yay. So Iona Bain is an award-winning speaker author, writer, and TV broadcaster. And she's on a mission to help young people get to grips with personal finance and has a fabulous blog, uh, youngmoneyblog.co.uk. So as I said, in series two, every episode we featured a math problem. And we also gave a structure on how to do that. And we started with some questions. So what were the first questions we started with, Bobby? Um, so before doing the problem, we wanted people to ask, how did you feel when you first saw or heard the problem? Then we asked people to think about, does the problem actually make sense to you? And that's sort of in conjunction with, do you have any questions about the problem? And then finally, before doing the problem, we want you to think, what are the maths topics in this question? And that section's really about kind of engaging with your emotions and before you start to do any maths, thinking about what information you already have. And then the next part of um, solving the problem, the questions we ask are, what facts do we know from the problem? What rules or formulas are needed uh, to answer the question? What facts can we derive in the problem? So what can we be told and what can we use to work that out? And then can we answer the question now? So Susan, are we ready to tackle this week's problem? Born ready. Okay, so grab your pen, paper and get thinking. Right, so our problem for today's episode is you earn £9 an hour, you get an increase of 5%. What is your new hourly rate? I'll repeat the question. You earn £9 an hour, you get an increase of 5%. What is your new hourly rate? So this problem has actually been set by National Numeracy 
and they've given it to a sample of the adult population uh, about everyday maths. So we'll reveal a little bit about how people nationally did this question later on. And we'll tackle the problem in a little bit. But while you're thinking about it, let's meet our special guest for this week, the wonderful Iona Bain. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Really lovely to have you on with us, Iona. Thank you very much. And we're really excited that you're the newest ambassador for National Numeracy. Can you tell us like how you got involved with the charity? Well, I got involved with National Numeracy because um, a few months ago, uh, I decided to uh, talk about my dyscalculia. It wasn't the first time I'd discussed it. I did write an article for the Sunday Times a few years ago about it, but I decided that in my new role as a money expert on BBC One's Morning Live that it would be a good idea to discuss how having dyscalculia has affected me, how I've managed to cope with it and generally speaking where we're at with dyscalculia now um, and how we can help other people who have it. And the report on Morning Live got a really positive response, particularly from people uh, living with dyscalculia, um, parents who are trying to figure out how to support their children with dyscalculia and National Numeracy got in touch with me and they were really, really pleased that I was talking about this whole subject and that I was someone who wasn't um, naturally very strong with numbers and yet had still managed to, you know, become a financial writer and therefore, you know, they thought that I would make quite a good ambassador. So I was really thrilled when they approached me and I decided um, that this was something that I just had to do. And yeah, I'm really proud now to be an ambassador for National Numeracy. It's definitely a, a real career highlight for me. Oh, that's great. It's so great they got in touch with you. And it's so great your kind of missions align. You know, the fact that you're trying to help young people with their personal finance is wonderful. But what inspired you to, to start this mission? Well, I don't come from a financial or economics background at all. I am a trained musician. I got to a very high standard as a musician and I spent the first... 21, 22 years of my life thinking I was going to be a professional musician and it was only when I left university um, just after the financial crisis and had to find a job out in the big bad world that I realised that actually I was really financially illiterate and you know I'd managed to get by okay through school and university but actually um, my lack of financial confidence became a real issue once I was trying to achieve my own financial independence 
and um, things really came to a head a couple of years after leaving uni when I was trying to be a musician and I had all my spare cash that I earned from gigs stolen in a burglary because I kept it in a piggy bank, uh, which of course was just an absolute gift for the thieves that managed to break into my parents' house at the time. And uh, I think having that experience uh, really was a wake up call. It made me realize that I had to start becoming, being a lot more savvy with my finances. And so that's why I started Young Money Blog in 2011. And that was so that I could learn about money and help other young people learn about money along the way. And then that grew into a much wider career talking about money from a young person's perspective. And so now I'm a writer, speaker, broadcaster and author and my specialism is young personal finance. It's something that I felt really strongly about for the best part of the decade. And um, it's something that I really hope I can continue into the future. Iona, it's really great to hear that you got such a passion and it's been lasting you know, for more than, you know, the best part of a decade. And it's strange to think that people might think that you're like a trained mathematician or economist, but you're a musician. So I think that almost gives you more empathy when dealing with numbers and personal finance. And one thing that I find really fascinating, especially as a math teacher, is about dyscalculia. And it's, you know, the almost like the mathematical equivalent of dyslexia. So can you tell us a bit more about how you found out about your dyscalculia and what it means to you and then how you've gone about trying to manage that. I found out that I didn't just have some problem with maths, that it was something a bit more deep rooted than that when I was um, sitting my maths exams in secondary school. To be honest, for a very long time, I had suspected that something wasn't quite right because yeah. my first memory of having to deal with numbers properly was when I was about nine or 10 I was sat in class and we were given an exercise to do whereby we had to complete our times tables. It was like a big grid in front of us. And um, once we completed them up to 12 times 12, we could go outside into the playground and have our break. And so I just remember every other child in the class finished their times table. They took it up to the front of the classroom. The teacher looked at it and went, yep, great. Off you go. Outside, you can go and play. And I was pretty much the last one left in the classroom and really stuck and feeling just completely overwhelmed. And it was quite um, a scarring experience because it really highlighted for me how far behind I was in terms of my understanding of maths. And I kind of managed to bury it for a long time. But then when I got to secondary school and started having to really take it seriously again, I started falling behind. I started feeling really anxious and worried and really struggling to, to keep up and that was when I think my parents understood that that actually there might be something else going on so luckily at our school we had an extremely good learning needs department so I went there I had a test for dyscalculia and that was when we realized that that, that was the problem I just had this this fundamental issue where my my brain was 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 very poor at grasping quantities sizes order of numbers, things that other people take for granted, I have to really, really think about. So for me, having dyscalculia, it's, it, it's not that I cannot do any kind of arithmetic at all. I think there's so much misunderstanding around dyscalculia. There's this perception that you can't do two plus two equals four. You know, that, that's not true. Well, at least if you've got mild dyscalculia like me, you can. It's just that 
maths don't have an instinctive logic, if, if that makes sense. So for me, you know, I have to count on the fingers of my hand. I have to, you know, check basic arithmetic against a calculator. I have to do all that because for me, numbers kind of lack that that logic <laughs> and, and they don't make sense for me in a way that they do for other people. And therefore I have to just work that much harder to understand stuff that other people might might take for granted. So that's what it means for me. And in terms of how I manage it, basically I've just learned to firstly not put myself under any pressure when I do any money maths. So when I'm doing my budget, you know, I take my time, I wait until I'm energized and fresh and not distracted. I um, have got to know all the kind of main money and maths mazes, as I call them. So areas of finance where, you know, you have to kind of get to grips with the numbers in order to understand how they work. And actually, it's not rocket science. I don't think that the money and maths mazes are that complicated. Once you know about them and once you kind of learn to deal with them, then you will feel so much more confident. And so that's what I've done. I'm also not ashamed to use a calculator. And for me, digital budgeting tools have really helped me visualize my spending. I know that for some people, they can be a bit of a, a slippery slope, but for me, just seeing how I'm spending my money in a very visual way has, has really been a game changer. Well, it's so great to hear the really practical ways you're, you're, you're living your life to overcome this and, you know, and being so kind of proactive with it. Like, it's kind of amazing. I'd love to hear about your book, own it how a generation can invest our way to a better future it sounds so amazing it also sounds so great that you're helping young people think about investment can you tell us a bit about the writing process well writing a book is i know it sounds like a cliche but it is a real labor of love you have to be absolutely convinced that your book is one that could help people very profoundly because you know, it's not something that you can just compress into a guide on social media. It's not something that you can just convey in a series of articles. You know, what you want to write about is something that can only be written about in a book and only you're, you're the only person who can write that subject. So that's why I decided I needed to write Own It because I had this really strong conviction that young people needed to have a, a friendly, accessible guide to the world of investing because it can be very complex, it can be very dangerous, and today there are lots of ways that young people can go wrong when they start out investing and and i wanted to help young people learn about this whole area the easy way rather than the hard way so yeah i wrote it mostly through uh, lockdown as well uh, which was a bit of a blessing because it meant that i had something to really sink my teeth into and i finished it um, in early 2021 and it got published in spring 2021 and i'm really proud of it and uh, it's something that i think can be really helpful for young people who are wanting to learn more about investing even if they don't become you know full-time money managers even if they decide that they want to do things in a fairly simple straightforward way i think it's so important to understand how stock markets work and, and why it's so important to have ownership of your finances in that way wonderful thanks for joining us today and uh, we look forward to working with you more with national numeracy thank you very much a huge thank you to Iona. It was so great to have her on our first episode of Matter Pill Series 3, where we've teamed up with Experian. So whether it's bills, budgeting, or even baking, maths is part of everyday life for all of us. Experian is on a mission to help the nation improve their financial health. And we know that good number skills and confidence are a gateway to helping you get there. 
That's why Experian is a proud supporter of the Maths Appeal podcast and long-running partner of National Numeracy, working together to help you fulfil your potential. And speaking of fulfilling our potential, let's do some problem solving. Right, so let's have a quick reminder of the problem for this episode. Hope you're all ready. You earn £9 an hour. You get an increase of 5%. What is your new hourly rate? As always, with our with Matt Appeal, as we go through problem solving, we're going to just do our checklist of questions. So, Bobby, how did you feel when you first heard this problem? I like percentages. I generally like number work. So I'm like, oh, actually... I feel like I feel relatively confident. Yeah, I suppose as maths teachers, it's kind of percentages are a thing that we know a variety of different ways of doing it. But I also am fully aware that a lot of people, and that's kids and adults, find this incredibly challenging. Yes. So, yeah. And I also appreciate as well the fact there's more than one way of doing this. And so... Did it, it make sense to you? It was quite a straightforward question, wasn't it, really? Yeah, because it's got currency mm-hmm. there. Um British sterling, it doesn't really matter what currency it is, it could be euros, it could be uh, dollars, uh, and the percentage seems like a nice round yeah. number, as it were, so it does make sense. Right, and so we know the topics, we said currency, percentages, also think about the whole hour thing as well. So let's think about how we did it, shall we? Right, so first of all, actually, what facts do we know about uh, from this problem? We're aware that it's £9 for one hour, and the percentage changes is 5%. And it's an increase. It's going to be effectively an amount that's going to be bigger than £9. How did you do it? So, to be honest, um, I had my phone and calculator beside me. Uh, (laughs) That's not a problem. I think one thing to be aware of with this question, when you said the National Numeracy gave it to people, they were given the option to do it pen and paper or to use a calculator. So it's not cheating to use a calculator at all. Um, so yeah, like I think it's important to go through different ways you could do it. I think that's quite important. Yes. So yeah. So mine is just using the calculator one point zero five ah. times it by nine. Ah. Uh, that's a, in fact I teach my students it's called the multiplier method. Yeah. Um, so the zero five is the the five percent. So that's a really neat, quick way I found, yeah. and it gave me nine pounds forty five. Okay, I just want to clarify for people. I think a lot of the time people get quite overwhelmed with percentages, and this whole idea that percent means out of a hundred very important to understand. And when it comes to using a calculator with percentages, I think it's super super important to understand the relationship that if I say something is 5%, that's 5 out of 100. So you can convert 5% to a decimal by dividing it by 100, which gives you 0.05. So if I said to find 42% of something, to convert it to a decimal, you divide by 100, which would make it 0.42. So to work out that calculation, you just do the number multiplied by 0.42. And that's just useful to know that you can work out any percentage that way. And what Bobby's done with adding, making it 1.05 is... He's because it's you're adding it on that one represents a hundred and effectively you've added five percent onto a hundred percent, and that's where that kind of comes from. So it's a quick way of working that out. So for anyone who wasn't sure what to do, the key thing is to find five percent and then add it on to your original value. What other, so there, there's another way that I've seen people work this out. Yeah, um, and if you didn't have a calculator, you could find ten percent of nine pounds which is the same as dividing by 10 because there are 10 tens in 100 so to get 10 percent, you just divide by 10 it gives you 90p and five percent is half of 10 percent, and you just half that 90p which gives you 45p yes. and then add that onto your nine pounds so your new 
hourly rate is £9.45. And to be honest, like I think that method is a good one when it's a non-calculator, you haven't got anything handy yeah. and it's a nice easy number like 5 or 10% or 15% or 20%. If it was like 6, 7%, then maybe the calculator method of 107 divided by 100 times it by, let's say £9, but for 5%, definitely that method you mentioned. I think it's just really important for people to get the idea that the percent means out of 100. So whatever you have, you split it into 100 pieces and you take whatever the percentage is. The reason we wanted to spend time on this, some people might have found this super easy, but actually, what was the percentage of people in, in the survey that didn't get it right? Yeah, this was pretty much 50% of adults. One in two adults struggled yeah. with this question, even when they had the access to a calculator. And to put this into like national curriculum UK context, this is a question in theory that an 11 year old should be able to do based on national yeah. curriculum, and then one in two adults can't. So this shows you why you might think, oh, that's straightforward, but actually one in two adults can't solve this. But also I want you to be, if you're listening to this and you're one of those people who didn't know how to do it, I'm hoping now that you're able to give percentages a go and don't feel bad that you couldn't do it. You might not have done percentages for a long time. So it's totally fine to be like, oh, actually I'd have been a bit stuck on this, but hopefully now you know you can convert it to a, dec um, a percentage to a decimal and use your calculator nice and easily. Or you could find 10% and then work out from 10%, 20% or 5% or 30% and stuff like that. So it's trying to give you now some like ideas and strategies on how you might be able to use uh, percentages. And it's worth, I'm going to do a few percentage problems actually over this series because they're a thing that I think everybody, child or adult, should feel confident using. Hopefully that's been helpful for you. We'd love as well for you to share your solutions. We're going to put our uh, solutions. We're going to post them online on Twitter and on Instagram. And we'd love to hear yours as well. And it's come to that time of the, the episode where Bobby shares a fact with us. Yes. And today's fact actually is going to be neat and very linked to our topic. Uh, so obviously looking at percentages. And as Susan said, percentages are to do with things out of 100. But this actually came from a contraction of the Italian, or I guess Latin ultimately, term which means per cento, which you can guess means for a hundred. And what used to happen was the per was abbreviated as a, as a letter P. And actually, over time, that eventually disappeared. And what you're left with was the cento, which means a hundred. And this is written as uh, two circles, but separated by a horizontal line. So almost like a fraction, zero over zero. Oh, right. Oh. That's what the cento is. And eventually that became slanted, slanted and diagonalized oh. to look like the percent side. So the P disappeared, the C remained, the cento, but zero slash a da slash zero. Oh, wow. Look at that, Bobby, educating us with your, with your symbols and a bit of Latin. Ah, wonderful. So... It's come to that time of the episode where we have to say goodbye. Um, but please share your solutions to your problems. You can find us on Maths Appeal on Twitter and on Instagram. Yep, or you can email us mathsappeal1 at gmail.com. Thanks again for joining us for this Maths Appeal series in partnership with the wonderful charity National Numeracy and the fabulous organisation Experian. So please do tell your friends about Maths Appeal and we always appreciate uh, those that give us a five-star rating or if you post something really lovely about us on your socials. And you've been listening to Matt Appeal with me, Susan Okereke and Bobby Seagull. The music's composed by Kelly Okereke, the image designed by Calix Davis, uh, the producer is our wonderful Jenny Nelson. 
And in episode two, next time, we're going to focus on number confidence week. So see you soon so we can solve more math problems together. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.